What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. Hey, listen to the 80s Babies podcast. And on today's episode, we've got a special tribute for the late Notorious B.I.G. His yes, debut sir. album released September 13th, 1994, Ready to Die. And Ready Yinka, to die. I have to say, this has been a good week. As you very well know, this is one of my favorite hip hop albums. It's in my solidly in my top five. Right. And the recap of listening to this album has been great. Yeah. Even though um, I do have to wonder, like, man, he's got some really hardcore subject matter, which <laughs> yeah, I must admit, sure. as a 36 year old, is a little like, wow, this guy was mm. intense. And he probably couldn't release this album today. Definitely not. We'll definitely get into more of those details. But yeah, I love this album. So I'm going to have a really good time doing this episode. You know, though, I don't know if you've seen the new Chappelle special yet on Netflix. I have not. I have okay. not. But, uh, you know, a lot of the subject matter has to do with, you know, kind of how everybody's so PC now. Yeah. And not to say that it's great that he has the subject matter that he has on here. But I do kind of miss the time frame when... They would kind of say some of these lines that were eye raisers, and it was okay to say these eye raisers, and they were just kind of dope lyrically. Like, when yeah. I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. You might not even be able to say that now. Yeah. You know, the number one mom pennant, they ended up oh, having God. to take part of that out even back then Yes, because of how I offensive love that line, it was. But it's so bad. It's an amazing line, though. So let me just get into this real quick, just for our listeners, just off the top, right? right. If any of you are offended by this album, and I totally get it. He, he's got misogyny on here. He's got women beating on here. He's got ridiculous killing of people and just <laughs> whatever. Like, it's horrible, the things that he has on here, no doubt. Man. But I tell you what, listening to this album this week really kind of reminds me, or rather just reinforces how different I was listening to music from a lot of my peers. Mm. And not the peers who were actually writing lyrics, but more okay. so the peers who were just listening to hip hop and enjoying it. And I think mm. that for them, subject matter and overall feel of the music was mm. really, really important. And how okay. well they could relate to something. And if it was just something that they generally liked. Right. Whereas for me, once I put pen to pad and mm. I started writing lyrics and then I started studying other lyrics, like what you talked about didn't really matter so much and there's some some exceptions obviously we spoke about eminem's album and i'm going to revisit that when we talk about some of this okay. but um to me i was always able to approach lyrics objectively like look i can recognize if what you said was fucked up mm -hmm. but i can also recognize if it was genius brilliant clever and just holy shit like that was right. a, an amazing thing to say it was horrible but like god damn like this motherfucker's got talent you yeah. know what I mean? So, and, and just listening to this album this week reinforces that whole mindset for me. Yeah, I think, you know, when you go to psych theory and, you know, not to, to nerd out too much on this shit, but like, you know, when you, you talk about the concept of, you know, id, ego, and superego, right? Mm -hmm. And I almost feel like there's been kind of an, an evolution of hip hop in terms of MCs and in terms of the way we put together music and we put together album. And I think this album is like, just a genius id album it's just like if you strip unfortunately you know but if you strip man down to his primal instincts yes. in the ghetto that's what this album sounds like i agree and i think he did an excellent job of conveying that and we'll talk about that a little bit more when we go oh, into yes, the we details will. of the album so uh are we, we gonna start it off with the where were you 
Yeah, please. Okay, well, there's two where we use for me. Right. Is that I imagine there's going to be two for you. For sure. One when the album first came out, and then the other when you actually went back to really digest it, correct? Yep. All right, so for me, you know, it's 1994, and I didn't get my boombox until the Christmas <laughs> of 1994. Okay. Now, this album was released in September, but a lot of the singles didn't drop until, I think, like, the first single to drop was Juicy. And right. then December 30th, he releases Big Papa and then The Warning as well. And this is the original the Big Papa. Well, no, no. There's only one Big Papa. There's there's like three different versions of One More Chance. One More Chance. Yeah. So One More Chance, there's an album version, and then there's two remixes. Right. And the remixes for those didn't come out until June 6th, the following summer, right, in 1995. Okay. okay. So the reason why I bring this up is because in 1994, when I first got my boombox, this is the first time I was actually able to listen to anything that I wanted to listen to, whether that be <laughs> CD, cassette, or radio. Before, yeah. I always had to listen to either what my brother was listening to or what my parents were listening to. Yeah. Every once in a while, I, I got to catch a music video, even though I wasn't allowed to watch those channels when I was younger. Yeah. It's funny, my parents let me watch Terminator 2 and Aliens and Die Hard and all these rated R movies, but when it came to the radio, when right. it came to, to black entertainment, I was not allowed to watch BET or, or MTV, but <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. So 1994, I get my boombox, and on the radio, I've got the local urban station. So that's 95.5 WPGC and 93.9 WKYS. And Biggie, at that time, is, is all over the radio. And so that was kind of my first experiences with Biggie, not just with Biggie, but with, like, with hip-hop in general. When I'm listening to everything, first time now this was also at a time when i wasn't too familiar with how great hip-hop was or just like uh, the, the nuances of hip-hop i just you know it was on the radio it was black i was liking it so that's kind of like my first experience with this album what's your first will you with this album so just to clarify there was a big papa remix it featured jermaine dupree it also came out oh, the really? following summer yeah oh, okay okay i'm, uh, I'm it's actually big not papa so so deaf remix yeah uh, okay and i think you know for me honestly the reason that matters is because i don't think the biggie thing kind of bubbled up until a year later for me so yeah the where was i in 1994 i was probably listening to coolio fantastic voyage <laughs> um you know yes. what i'm saying like i was probably listening to i don't know young mc or whoever else had a tape out at the time yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Real you quick, know real quick uh -huh. coolio it takes a thief is the first hip-hop cd i've ever purchased really <laughs> yes damn <laughs> rough life but no nah, but that record was huge like and yeah. it was you know, the dope thing about Coolio was like he sampled so much Lakeside and my mom was familiar with Lakeside. So like, mm -hmm. you know, I had a similar situation to you where like my parents kind of tried to restrict some of the, the music that came in and out of my house. Right. But, you know, Coolio had these Lakeside records that my mom was familiar with. So, you know, records like the one, two, three, four song and Fantastic Voyage. Oh, the other record that was huge, I think this year was... um. Nate Dogg and Warren G, right? Wasn't Regulate 94? Regulate is 94. Right, yes, okay. So so this year, I'm listening to whatever's super popular. Um, so it's it's going to be Warren G. It's going to be Coolio. I remember I'm still young enough to where we're going to the skating rink. Like, the skating rink is the shit in Chicago. Yes, I, you I know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, so. I only went a couple times, but I remember the skating <laughs> oh, rink. Oh, man, the skating rink was cool, yo. You didn't even... You didn't even have to skate. You just rolled to the skating rink. You know, the girls be there, the whole nine. Cats be there with no skates on, just hanging out. But yeah, that's where I was in 94. So 
I say all that to say that I was not in a headspace to be consuming this album, and I did not consume this album in '94. And of um, course not. Of course and I don't not. think I really even got onto the Biggie train until the following summer, when records like One More Chance remix, yes. Big Papa yeah. remix, Can't yeah. You See with Total. These records were so big that they hit me as a as a mainstream consumer. You know, the other thing too is in 1994. I think that's when the Craig Mack Flavor in yes. Your Ear came out, and that yes. was actually probably my first experience with Biggie. Okay, was actually I think that was actually the first time I'd ever seen or heard Biggie was actually the Flavor in Your Ear remix. Oh. Is mad, I get more butt than ass trains. Fuck a fair one, I get mine the fast way. Ski mass way, nigga ransom notes. Far from handsome, but damn a nigga tote much. More guns than roses, foes is shaking in their boots. A visible bully, like the gooch disappear. Van Moose, you whack to me. Take them rhymes back to the factory. I see the gimmicks, the whack lyrics. The shit is depressing, pathetic. Please forget it. You're mad cause my style you're admiring. Don't be mad, UPS is hiring. You shouldn't have been the cop, fuck hip hop. With that freestyle, you're bound to get shot. Not from Houston, but I rap a lot. Pack the gap a lot, the flame's about to drop. Here comes a brand new flavor in your ear. Time for new flavor. Yes, that's actually so true. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot. I'm glad you even said that because that's also. Oh, I mean, yo, I mean, come on, like. That yes. was also when the Big Mac tape came out. Uh-huh. I remember my cousin, my cousin man, had the huge Craig Mac Operation Funk the Planet poster on his wall. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, good times. So, so you want to go to uh, when you actually were old enough to understand and yeah, consume this yeah. album? <laughs> so my second Where Were You was probably either 1999 or, yeah, I think 1999-2000. So it was my junior year. And I've talked about this before, but the previous fall, my sophomore year, when I was all up on Wu-Tang and Method Man, right, Blaze Magazine came out with their top 50 list. Okay. And... I think they had Biggie at number three behind KRS-One, number two, and Rakim, number one, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't know who KRS-One and Rakim were. Well, actually, I did know who Rakim was because I think he had a single. Yeah, he had the, uh, it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he had, so he had that, but I didn't know who KRS-One was. And like Big, like I was so surprised because when Biggie was alive, I was a bigger fan of Tupac. Okay. And I just didn't really like Bad Boy like that. Like, you know, like wow. All About the Benjamins was cool. And like yeah. Biggie had his hits. And like my brother, you know, he was playing Life After Death in the car a lot. Mm-hmm. But like, I didn't really understand like just how dope he was lyrically. It was just like, it was whatever. So I was yeah. like, well, why is Big so great? And they're like, yo, I don't know. It's just something about Big. Mm-hmm. So now after my sophomore year, like I told you, I've gone back to listen to Rakim, KRS-One, right. Big Daddy Kane. I've gotten into the roots. And over that summer, I started to get into Nas and then Biggie. Mm-hmm. And like, I was kind of apprehensive about listening to Ready to Die, but then I did. And like, it changed my life. <laughs> I mean, for all the debates I ever got to in college, when, when we were talking about like, who's the best, you know, is it Biggie, is it Jay Z? Because really, that's kind of who it came down to with me and my friends. Like, right. I've kind of gone back and forth, but I. I had to take one stance in that like Biggie's flow is unparalleled. Yeah. It really, really is unparalleled. There's nothing like it. There is no one else in hip hop who has the ability to change flows 
every single bar and yet everything still has the bounce and the swag and the flow and it's on beat and it's just like how he comes up with so many different cadences mm -hmm. in one 16 bar stanza <laughs> is amazing and even right. though the lyrics on life after death are better and they are better yes but like some of the things that he's doing here is like especially at the time like it's it's fucking mind-blowing even mm -hmm. now like some of the cadences now i'm like god damn like this, this motherfucker is nice <laughs> so in 1999, like that's when I really started to dig into hip hop. And for mm -hmm. as good as I ever got, the one MC who got me to that level would have been big. Hmm. So there it is. That's, that's where I was the second time I really got into this album. Dope. Where were you? Uh, where was I? It's 1997. Mm -hmm. I've lived in Southern California for a year now. Okay. Bad Boy is my favorite. Is my favorite everything. Yeah. My favorite label. Take you know, that, uh, Hypnotize comes out. It's the most mesmerizing music video I've ever mm. seen in my whole life. I'm a kid yeah. just staring at the television screen. My 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 mouth is on the floor as these cats watching, are driving watching, backwards. Exactly, and, watching Puff Daddy driving reverse. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and and you know, big with the broken leg and the cane, just like looking out. You know, the, everything. Then the next video was Victory, and they're running from the cops, and you know, mm -hmm. so. I mean, I just think all of this just larger than life nonsense is like really what pulled me in as a young viewer and listener because I wasn't, yeah. I didn't yet have the understanding to really consume like who was a dope MC, et cetera. And so right. I kind of learned through that period of time. So, you know, I had the Puff Daddy and the Family album. I had, I got Biggie's album. And when, when Biggie passed around that time, I think what he passed and then the album dropped. Life After Death, yes. Life After Death. He died March 9th, and I think right. the album comes out March 21st, March, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Right. So so he passes, and that's obviously huge. I'm also in L.A., right? So right. I happen to be in L.A. for when Pac passed and then when Big passed. Man, get uh, out of L.A., man. Shit. <laughs> Yo, I, I moved to L.A., and then, like, you know, shortly, a, few, a couple months later, my man passes away. But anyway... That was a huge, a huge event. I remember going back to Cali, coming out, you know, and people being like, yo, he loved the West. Like, you know, but the East Coast, West Coast thing was huge. And there was just so much controversy around it that I was just kind of all consumed by it. Then, you know, Mace Harlem World comes out. The Loxus solo album or, uh, you know, group album comes out. So literally everything that bad boy made and everything they had ever made i went back almost to uh, not to yeah. craig mack sorry craig but <laughs> but you know so Can I get so, so so by the time i had heard life after death a million times i had to go back to here ready to die in the same okay. way that i consumed it was written and got super fascinated and went back and, and listened to illmatic and so you know that's me you know 97 98 time frame of really digesting this mm -hmm. and i think when I went back to do that, and I remember also going to get the Junior Mafia album as well. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because I think the Junior Mafia album resonated with me a little more than this did. Wow. Just because of the <laughs> fact, no, 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 I'm not saying I thought it was a better album. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. I'm saying is I'm a kid consuming these larger than life tropes that gangster rap is at the time, right? Everybody's a mafia don, everybody's larger than life. Those themes are repeated in Junior Mafia. Yeah. Ready to Die is a coming-of-age story. You know yes, what I'm it saying? Is. It's a bummy-ass dude who sells crack and robs people, and he shows you how he progresses all the way up until the end of the story. And yeah. so I was not old enough or mature enough 
to really consume and understand what I was consuming until later. But but I yeah. did listen to this and appreciate it for what it was in, in around 97, 98. So that's the where I was. All right. So critical reception for this album. I mean, do we even really need to talk about it? Nah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> like it's considered one of the greatest hip hop albums for yes. a reason. Yes. What I want to say, though, because mm-hmm. sometimes we go back and, and we actually look at the wiki and we see different quotes from different critics. Of course, yeah. our guy, Robert Christagal, he's, he's got a quote, but he says something though. And I'm, I'm gonna repeat two quotes. So one is from okay. Robert Christagal, and he says, his sex raps are erotic, his jokes are funny, and his music makes the thug life sound scary rather than luxuriously laid back. Hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting for him to say. There's another mm-hmm. quote from the New York Times. Though drug dealing carries tremendous heroic value with some young urban dwellers, he sacrifices the figure's romantic potential. His raps acknowledge both the excitement of drug dealing and the stress caused by the threat from other drug dealers, robbers, the police, and parents, sometimes one's own. And presenting the downside of that life, Ready to Die offers perhaps the most balanced and honest portrayal of the dealer's life of any hip hop. And I think that these two quotes are actually very telling in the sense that for you and I, especially right. because, you know, I could definitely speak for myself and I think I can speak for you. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't grow up in the hood. At least mm-hmm. I know I didn't grow up in the hood. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, like, you know, my whole trajectory growing up was you're going to do well in school. You're going to go to college. You're either going to play a sport or be an artist or you're going to hold down a successful nine to five job. Like that's who you are. So. That's how I see life. And I think that whenever I've gone back to listen to hip hop music, it's always kind of been like from the outside looking in, Mm -hmm. you know, to some respects, um, it's helped me kind of understand where these folks are coming from. But I think the one thing that I was never able to really do was contextualize what all of this stuff meant at the time, like the chronology of it. And so Mm -hmm. the reason why I want to bring up these two quotes is because gangster rap was a thing that was before Biggie. And yet, if these two folks are saying in 1994 that people who came before him glamorized the life and that this is now like a balanced portrayal of it, Mm -hmm. it kind of actually justifies all of the negative things that we were kind of talking about at the top of the episode in terms Mm -hmm. of like, look, the misogyny, the disregard for life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if people can recognize like just how real it was like because that's kind of what i get from it when i listen to it as well and Mm. you know again from my vantage point what the fuck do i know about that lifestyle but when Mm. i listen to it it's like look like on one hand like yes this stuff is horrible but Mm. then on the other hand too i'm like i think i understand where he's coming from like you know (laughs) if your outlook on life is what it is from that vantage point i can see why somebody would express themselves this way mm-hmm. it's basically the the long and short of it gotcha anyway do you have anything to add with your critical reception nah man i mean you know again the, the outlets that i was engaging with didn't really catch on maybe until a bit later but okay. uh but I, you know i mean both kind of very telling i think what you're saying is interesting also when you put into context that what Cuban Links is next mm-hmm. year, Nas yeah. is this year. So Nas was not as gangster as I'm not even sure if Illmatic would be considered a gangster rap album. But it was released in nineteen ninety four and it's still seen as the yeah. holy grail of hip hop albums. So That's I'm just fair. talking about That's the fair. contemporaries. In terms of like what the scene was of New York mm-hmm. hip hop for when 
this album came in. You know, there was also yeah. the Cellar Dwellers were out, Trigger the, the Gambler and Smooth the Hustler with Broken Language, I think was around mm -hmm. this time. So it's just interesting, you know, Big's kind of portrayal of what street life was versus everything else that was kind of out around the time. That's all. Yeah. So should we get into uh, some highlights, some lowlights, if there, if there are any lowlights? Man, we might as well try to talk about lowlights because that's the short straw. Okay. Well, why don't yeah. you start? What are your What are your, some of your lowlights? I don't think we needed all these like fuck me interludes personally. <laughs> that's, that's never fair. really been my bag. I think it adds some levity, but I mean, it could be a bit sophomoric. Okay. Um, I think just the general misogyny and misogynistic yeah. overtones oh, yeah. could definitely at least be scaled back at very least. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are my main lowlights. You know, the one song I will say that I could have removed and this album would not have gotten any weaker to me is Friend of Mine. It's so funny because I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. And Friend of Mine is such a weird song to me because first <laughs> of all, like, I enjoy bouncing to this song. Mm -hmm. And the main reason why is because like the beat, the music and like the hook, yeah. you know, that ain't right with the friend of mine. And then the person is saying, oh, like to me, like, it's just, it's so fun, right? Yeah. It's just like so fun to vibe to, right? But okay. that song is fucking hilarious. And I'm going to tell you why it's hilarious. Okay. Biggie is so hypocritical on that song. Like, it's a mess. He's so insecure on that song. It's a mess. Like, he's literally criticizing women for behaving the exact same way that he and his friends are behaving. And it's like, he's so like kind of angry about it but like i don't even think i've ever listened all the way through this song before <laughs> i tried this time and I, I still i still changed it here's the other funny thing about this part d you know the name d right he shouts him out oh all yeah the time. d rock is that his hustler friend who <laughs> took the rap for him so that biggie wouldn't have to go to jail yeah so you can correct me if i'm wrong but my understanding of the story is that they both got pinched if you will and biggie had the gun but D-Rock took the rap for that because he knew that Biggie had this potential deal lined up with right. Puffy. Right. And this was, I think, after the Uptown deal fell through. Biggie right. went back to the streets and then right. got pinched and he said, yo, fuck this shit. Like, I'm going to stop fucking around. I'm here to work. All this other stuff, right? Yeah. And in return, Biggie basically made sure to shout him out anytime he got the chance, right? He just, he made opportunities for him where he could. And I think even now, Puff says, like, he's always going to take care of D-Rock. Okay. It's just interesting, though, that, like, this song, which you don't even need on the album, which I, I think is fair, by the way. Like, D is all over this song. Like, it's like of all the songs I'd want to have, like, my name all over, this is probably not one of them. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, I think one of the other things is so, that, that just kind of drives me nuts about this song is that one of the areas where Biggie really excels is just how confident he is. Mm -hmm. Like, his delivery is one of those people, like, when Michael Jordan steps on the court, Michael Jordan right. knows that he is the baddest motherfucker in the gym. He knows yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. And I could just tell that Biggie knew that when he got on stage and when he got a mic and people are rapping, he knew that he was yeah. the best and he delivers with such an authority right. that he knows he's he's so good and that only comes from having confidence and being like secure with yourself mm -hmm. and yet on this song like this character is so fucking insecure <laughs> it's just like so mind-boggling it's like wow like yeah. it's crazy but that being said i do enjoy the song i understand why it's a low life for you i, I yeah. totally get it it's just gone and it's it's wild because <sighs> 
Easy Moby is a highlight for me on this, right? Like yes. this is my favorite Easy Moby mm -hmm. album. He's all over this and he's great on it. He's the sound of this album, but yeah. that song is just a skipper. I think for me, the one low light, it's a line that I've always struggled with. <laughs> you already know where I'm coming from. I think. Yo, everybody struggles well, with okay, this actually, line. Okay, actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, there's two lines. Okay. There's two lines, but they're both on the same song. Okay. All right. So look, the suggestion that you look so good, I suck on your daddy's dick. I've actually never had an issue with that line. Okay? Oh. I've never had an issue with that line. And the reason why is because of the hyperbole, right? I can still respect the poetic element of like, that's how good you look. I'd be willing to go to this extreme. No. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I'm telling you, I've <laughs> never had an issue with that line. Okay. Although I understand why other people have. I get it. Yeah, you're on an but island on that one. That's fine. But the other line, and you already know what it is, it's on the same song, right? You talk slick, I beat you, right? Like, yeah. It's, it's the thing is, it's like, it is creative. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. It is creative nah. in the sense that, like, to suggest that, like, there's, like, a right way to beat the one that you love. It's like, okay, I I've never heard that before. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. But, like, I've never been able... That line has never set well with me, even back in the day. I and mean, it in, sit context, with me, with me in context with the stories of, you know, domestic violence that have been told around Biggie's life, you know, I mean... Maybe that's consistent with his story, but it's I still can't support it or enjoy it. Yeah, you know it's saying? just it's the one it's the one line I'm like, damn man, because he's got some other he's got some other really good bars in that song. Like mm. when he says, uh, one day she used my uh toothbrush <laughs> to clean the toilet. So when the wind blows, I see my polos and timbos, hide my car keys so I can't leave. A real slick bitch keep a trick up a sleeve, and if I deceive Together, together. I swear when, to God, I see the polos, the Yo, that's a hot line. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. <laughs> and then, he, like, he's like, um, when I pulled up, police was on the scene, had to make a U turn, make sure my shit was clean. That's like, one of my favorite parts right there. When he does the U turn, make sure his shit is clean, dumps yes. off the burner, comes back around, pushes through the cops. Yeah. She helped me plan out my robberies on my enemies Didn't hesitate to squeeze to get my life out of danger One day she put 911 on the pager Had to call back whether it's minor or major No response, the phone just rung Grab my vest, grab my gun to find out the problem When I pulled up, police was on the scene Had to make the U-turn, make sure my shit was clean Drove down the block, stashed the burner in the bushes Step to police with the shoves and the bushes It didn't take long before the tears start I saw my bitch dead with the gunshot to the heart And I know it was meant for me I guess the niggas felt they had to kill the closest one to me And when I find them, their life was to an end They killed my best friend Yo, like the visual is just, yes, it's ill man. Yes, so it's just like to have <laughs> some of these lines Like, right. I might be in an island on the, you know, you look so good I suck on your daddy's dick, that's fine yeah. I might be on an island there in the sense that I've never had an issue with it mm. But I... You talk slick, I beat you right. I just and he's got some other misogynistic lyrics oh, yeah. on this album. Then I'm like, whatever. But I can't. Oh yeah, I can't. <laughs> it's it just I can't justify it. I can't. Yeah, there's no way to. You just gotta, <laughs> you know, you just gotta let it be what it is. And um, you know, look, I hope it doesn't sound like we're taking light of this subject because obviously, 
domestic violence is, is a very serious situation. And, you know, even though I do agree with you in the sense that I kind of miss that people can just like kind of say these things at the same mm-hmm. time too, I'm like, Ugh. if I heard it now, I'm like, like it's Ugh. weird though, because I mean, this is going to sound bad, but it's, it's a fact, right? Like yeah. domestic violence is something that happens, right? Yes. And yes. it's interesting, but one of the things that we, kind of love about this album is that it's so raw and it's so honest mm-hmm. and i mean i think this is really big painting a picture of who yeah. he was at the time i mean it sounds like that's essentially what he was really doing in his real life yeah that's not to glorify that or any of the other themes on this album but um they kind of make sense in the context of who they say that big was you know what i mean <laughs> I think you're right. And I'm actually going to reference the two quotes that I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. in the sense that I don't think that Biggie is actually celebrating domestic violence here. Mm. Maybe that's a justification in the sense that when you hear it in other songs, it's kind of like celebrating and glorifying these things. Mm. And because he paints such a vivid picture and we, the listener, are actually like, damn, that's fucked up. Yeah. Maybe he's not celebrating it, which in the case it is like, okay, I don't like to hear it, but you're right. Maybe this is painting the picture that we needed to see so that we could actually understand like, and empathize with where these people are coming from. Yeah. Now, in my mind, the two most hardcore rappers I've ever heard are mm-hmm. Biggie is one of them. Mm-hmm. And if you all think that like some of the stuff that he has on this album is bad, or even like Dead Wrong, like he's hardcore and Dead Wrong. On that album, Born Again, he's got a song, I think it's uh, If I Should Die Before I Wake, yeah. right? And that song, like half of it is blurted out. You know what I mean? So on an album where Dead Wrong with Biggie's two (laughs) verses and Eminem's verse is on there, there's another verse that's so bad that they had to bleep half of it out. And uh, for anybody who's actually listening to it, I will not repeat it here, even though I know the verse by heart. It's on Ron G Stop the Break and it's blasphemous. And he says some foul, fucked up shit that I've never heard anyone else say. It's one of the most hardcore verses I've ever heard in my life, right? But yeah. anyway, so Biggie and M are some of the most hardcore rappers I've ever heard. And when we did the Slim Shady LP, I know I lambasted the Bonnie and Clyde. 97 Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. And I think what disgusts me so much about that song specifically is that for one, like he's rapping to his daughter. Like Haley mm-hmm. is his daughter, right? Like in real life, that's his daughter's name, right? Yeah. And he's referencing Haley's mother. Mm-hmm. That is something where your daughter, for the rest of her life, is gonna know that there's a song where your dad is talking to you in a very delicate voice about killing your mother and putting her in a car. Like, for as bad as Biggie is, maybe Biggie has crossed the line a couple times. Like, that to me crosses the line and then some. So that's the reason why I'm so disgusted with that song and not as disgusted with some of the things that Biggie is talking about. And yeah, yeah, I, I, I just, personally I can't pull out a measuring stick to this shit. Like, I think That's it's fair. deplorable across the board. Yeah. But I mean, we're also talking about, you know, a completely fantastic situation, right? Like, yeah. Haley's mom is still very much alive. I think they even are, are married now or something. Are like they that. really? Didn't he like <laughs> go back and, and remarry no Kim idea. Mathers? I have yeah. No idea. So I mean, you know, uh, that was a fantastic situation, and I guess Biggie paints this picture. Again, I feel like it's a picture of who Big was and, you know, take it or leave it. And I think, you know, he paints the picture of a flawed individual Mm. who was also doing things like stealing from his mother's purse and, you know, many other things that he's kind of 
has this odd like he's a little bit apologetic about it he's a little bit reflective about it etc so it's like it's like a man kind of facing his ills and just you know reflecting on them for what they are and so i kind of take it as that as opposed to like oh yeah let's celebrate killing this woman and you know i mean i I think it's i think they're different in that way as opposed to you know kind of trying to take a measuring stick to it okay well i don't have any other low lights to add what about you no i mean neither let's get into highlights and there's a lot of highlights on here but let's reserve it to the ones that are just our favorites if you will go ahead uh what are some of your favorite things about this album favorite songs Um, just you know i love how the album starts Mm -hmm. it's interesting because a lot of times you know when a new artist comes out and they sit down and they do their first interview and the interviewer goes what are the things that influenced you like what made you who you are how did you become notorious big and literally he gives you this intro that's you know five minutes of like everything that made him him like you know this is my mom and my dad's situation i was born this is my mom and dad's situation this is the halfway home and you know prison system piece of me this is me trying to hustle this is me trying to do rapping and pissing my mom's boyfriends off like you know you get this whole kind of blueprint as to what creates biggie and then it launches straight into things done changed which i really really like i like how it's so interesting man like we talk a lot about like the movie industry and how they just keep recreating shit over and over again and Mm -hmm. it's almost like all you have to do is just is just recontextualize something in a new time things done change could have been made four more times since this album came out true so he's talking about this transition from you know a time frame when you know he was a kid and you did childish things and you went out and you did park jams and you you ate ice cream and etc and you know now like he's transitioning to being a man and it's like you know cats are out here bloodthirsty they robbing cats nobody's shooting a fair one anymore like Mm -hmm. they got guns now like etc etc and he's he's you know just kind of telling you how he's transitioning from that boyhood to that manhood and then you see it throughout the entire album and i thought that was amazing back in the days our parents used to take care of us look at them now they're even fucking scared of us facts facts see it's it's hard this is the reason i didn't want to do illmatic and this album is is close to illmatic in that like okay first of all it's damn near a flawless album and second of all all of the like highlights are the most uh, obvious thing so if i say give me the loot i sound like a fucking idiot because it's give me the loot like of course it's it's a highlight like of course warning is a highlight you know what i mean like so anyway give me the loot warning ready to die one more chance of course everything right uh the what which is my favorite song on this album met the man Um, the only other mc to feature on this album facts i will say yo i don't listen to juicy anymore no one listens to Um, juicy unless you're unless you're you're in the club yo white people killed juicy for me man y'all y'all always ruin everything for me man like Uh, (laughs) oh but they they played it so much (laughs) when when we're at the cookout when we're at the club and juicy comes on right right. i'm rocking with it of course it's in my car like i skip yeah it's like skip you gotta skip it yeah Let's see. Um, respect. The reason I say respect is a highlight for me is because I feel like this was a time frame. Even Puffy was doing it with the um. He had a joint with Mad Lion. Yeah. He had a joint with Supercat. Yeah. So he had like all these records that sounded like pop dancehall. And this uh-huh. time in the '90s, right? Like cats were trying to do this Jamaican thing. Biggie was Jamaican. And so, you know, you hear the influence in his rhymes. He talks about it a little bit. He kind of had to do this. 
But he made the most hardcore sounding dance hall influence record that he possibly could in this time frame. One. And yeah. two, he gets somebody who was a huge pop star with with Diana, Diana King, King had the Lord of Mercy Mercy joint out that was the crazy shy guy yeah that the shy guy crazy. record it was all over the place but then yes. he like he like tampered her down a little bit so she wasn't too pop with it she was straight raw Jamaican oh with my, it oh she was hard uh, yeah she was hardcore she was she reminded me of Shorty from Belly you yeah. know who, who who killed Ox she was that hardcore <laughs> on the record and then unbelievable suicide thought suicidal thoughts. Those are my, yeah. my highlights. So things done change. Like the thing I gotta say about this song is that if I had to pick one song that I thought as an outsider that uh-huh. I thought really depicted that life, mm-hmm. and this is across any album, right? Mm-hmm. Any hip hop artist, like the one song that I would think would be an accurate representation mm-hmm. from all the other different things I've learned about these neighborhoods, if you will. Things mm-hmm. done change is the one that I would probably pick. That's just for me. Obviously, it's my bias because I love this album. I love this artist and I love that song. It's so vivid. And yeah, it's it's a truth telling song. But I, I will say, though, mm-hmm. when I put this album in my car and uh, when I'm playing this album in my car and, and I'm going to someplace like the song I always listen to first, mm-hmm. without a doubt, mm-hmm. is Give Me The Loot. Yeah. Motherfuckers better know. I'm a bad <laughs> Your windows, close your doors, get your smalls, huh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a bad My man Imp left a tech and a nine at my crib. Turned himself in, he had to do a bid. A one to three, he be home the end of 93. I'm ready to get this paper, G. You with me? Motherfucking right? My pockets looking kind of tight. And I'm stressed, yo Biggie, let me get the vest. No need for that, just grab the fucking gat. The first pocket that's fat, the tech is to his back. Word is born, I'ma smoke him, yo don't fake no moves. What? Treat it like boxing, stick and move, stick and Nigga, move. you ain't got to explain shit. I've been robbing motherfuckers since the slave shit. With the same clip and the same 4-5, two point blank, a motherfucker sure to die. That's my word, nigga even try to vote guard. Have his mother sing it, it's so hard. Yes, love, love your fucking attitude. Because the nigga play pussy, that's the nigga that's getting screwed and bruised up from the pistol whipping. Webs on the neck from the necklace stripping. Then I'm dipping up the block and I'm robbing bitches too. Up the heron bones and bamboos. I wouldn't give a fuck if you pin here. Give me the baby rings and the number one mom pendant. Huh. I'm slamming niggas like Shaquille. Shit is real. When it's time to eat a meal, I rob and steal. Cause mom Duke ain't giving me shit. So for the bread and butter, I leave niggas in the gutter. Huh. Word the mother, I'm dead. My fucking god, like Gimme the Loot is so hard. And I know like look, he's got he's got some horrible shit on there. But like some of like the worst lines are also some of like the most creative in the song. Yeah. Like the shit about like the number one mom pendant, it's (laughs) a horrible thing to say. Yeah, right. Of course. But like at the end of the day too, like again, that a hyperbole. Like you're willing to take everything for yeah, this person. Yeah, Even yeah. someone's number one mom pendant that you don't need. <laughs> yeah. But you want everything. Yeah. 
Big up, big up, it's a stick up, stick up And I'm shooting niggas quick if you hiccup Don't let me fill my clip up in your back and headpiece The opposite of peace, sending mom Duke a reef You're talking to the robbery expert Step into your wake with your blood or my shirt Don't be a jerk and get smoked over being resistant Cause when I lick shots, the shit's is persistent huh. Goodness gracious, the papers, where the cash at? Where the stash at? Nigga, pass that before you get your great duck from the main thug. 357 slug, and my nigga Biggie got an itchy one grip. Huh. One in the chain, but 32 in the clip. Motherfuckers better strip. Yeah, yeah nigga, peel. Before you find out how blue steel feel. From the Beretta, putting all the holes in your sweater. The money getter, motherfuckers know the better. Rolex watches and colorful swatches. I'm digging in pockets, motherfuckers can't stop it. Man, niggas come through, I'm taking high school rings too. Bitches get screwed for the earrings and bangles. And when I rock it and drop her, I'm taking her door knockers. Like the onomatopoeia. Baka, baka, baka. Yo, the door knockers is actually, I'm glad you brought that up because Big was so ill at, at creating this vivid picture of like, like that's what girls from Brooklyn looked like at the time. Yeah. And he created this vivid picture of, you know, you got these girls with these big, you know, hoop yes. earrings with their names in them, etc. Like, he's giving you the picture of, like, everything. Even, you know, when we were talking about his polos and timbos flying in the wind, like, it gives you a visual picture of what it was like, where he yeah. was at, and, and what he was wearing, and etc. And I think exactly. he does that in a way that there's very few MCs that, you know, if any, that, that are able to do that. Man, I told him in the beam, you grab the, the fucking cream, cream and, and if you start the scream, bomb, bomb, have, have a nice dream. Man, this dude is hard. <laughs> I know, I know, I shouldn't be praising this, but this dude is hard. Like, yeah. Oh man, this yeah. song give me the loot. <sighs> give me the loot's amazing. Machine Gun Funk is actually amazing too. I just, if I have to choose, give me the loot or Machine Gun Funk, I choose give me the loot. Oh, of course, of course. But the yeah. thing about Machine Gun Funk, like. Every MC is entitled to have like their song where they're just kind of spitting, just kind of flowing, saying whatever. Doesn't mm -hmm, have to mm -hmm. have any kind of subject matters. Like, look, you know, I'm just. And he's got several on this album. Obviously, you got Unbelievable. Yeah, but, that's um, the best one on here. It is. It is. Yeah. But both Machine Gun Funk and Unbelievable are lessons in flow. All I want is bitches, big booty bitches. Used to sell crack so I could stack my riches. Now I pack gats to stop all the snitches from staying in my business. What is this? Relentless approach to know if I'm broke or not. Just cause I joke and smoke a lot. Don't mean I don't tote the clock. Sixteen shots for my niggas in the pen until we motherfucking meet again. Yeah, like the whole album is a lesson yes. in flow, nah, but like but not like unbelievable. Oh my god! Like even if <laughs> even if you took out the lyrics and you yeah. just had like consonant sounds, mm -hmm. listening to Biggie, like it's so it's so. Yeah. <sighs> the what is a masterclass as well. Get feels on the bitch. Now I throw shields on the dick to stop me from that HIV shit. And niggas know they soft like a Twinkie feeling. Playing the villain, prepare for this rap killing. Biggie Smalls is the illest. Your style is played out like on the one that what you talking about, Willis. The thrill is gone. The black Frank White is here to excite. Throw dick to dice. Bitches are like I'm brainless. Guns are like I'm stainless steel. I want the fucking fortune like the wheel. I squeeze gats till my clips is empty. Don't tell me. T-H-O-D, man. Here I am. I'll be damned if this ain't some yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah Literally, yeah, yeah. they spell method together with the handoff, which I think is like, 
I mean, if you ever freestyle, then you know you pass it into your man type shit. That's like really hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The black Frank White is here to excite the throw dick to die. Yo, so we talked about how only Cuban Link was the one to first bring in the Gambino names. Yeah. And I wouldn't necessarily consider Frank White a Gambino name at this time for Biggie, mm-hmm. at the time of Ready to Die. But he does reference himself as a Frank White, which That's did true. become his Gambino name ultimately. That's true. But he does reference himself as that in this album. So That's true. just had to shout that out that that was a predecessor to Cuban. Cuban Link. I'm not sure if it influenced Cuban Link, mm. but it, it did come out beforehand. That's so. a good point. I, I never thought. I, well, I, I did think about it when we talked about it, but you know, that is a yeah. good point. So the thing about respect, which I really like, is that mm. if you think about it, respect is the more hardcore street version of Juicy. They're essentially mm. talking about the same exact thing, mm. except I think that respect is actually the more accurate and grittier portrayal of Biggie's life, whereas Juicy is just the one, you know, was the commercial hit for the radio. He didn't even want to do that song, if I'm not mistaken. That's true. But what I will say is, I think it's like, what do they say? First you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the respect, right? Like that whole, you know, montage. When you listen to this album, like you literally watch this guy who's, you know, this bummy stick up kid and you watch him come up. He finally starts to come up, even though you got records like the what that, you know, don't really add to it. Yeah. But then Juicy is like, you know, wow, I'm here. I'm, I'm happy. Like, I made it. But then it's like immediately it turns to like, okay, you know, everyday struggle. But respect is the backside of that coin, right? Juicy is like the aspirational, like, you know, yeah, I'm really happy that I'm here, you know, X, Y, Z. Respect mm-hmm. is like, yo, I got respect now. Motherfuckers respect me because if they don't, X, Y, and Z. And that's the reason mm-hmm. why you have a Juicy, you know what I'm saying? Right. So I, I really like that both are on this album. The last major big highlight for me in terms of the songs, as you talked about, but we should go more into it, is obviously unbelievable. Oh, my God. It's DJ Premier at his finest. Yes. It's Biggie flow-wise at near his finest. Yes. And it's about the only R. Kelly reference that I can tolerate and just not give a shit about. I don't care if he's in the song. I will play it. I will listen to it. I will bounce to it without any regrets. This song is fucking unbelievable. It is. (laughs) You know, really. It is. When I went back and listened to this, I told you about how I was 97 and I was this big bad boy fan and I went back and listened to Ready to Die. Yeah. And the first few times I listened to this album or tried to listen to this album, it was really just me listening to Unbelievable just on repeat. Oh, of course. Like, it's just such an amazing song. And, you know, for somebody who, you know, maybe the next year or shortly thereafter would then start to try to write their own raps. Yeah. Like we said, Unbelievable is literally just like a master class where you oh, just yeah. sit there and you go, wow, like, will I ever be this good? I mean, he's just amazing on there. I have lyrics, I have verses somewhere where I was trying to basically imitate his flow on this. Oh, yeah. And it's like, and I think this is the reason why I sit so firm on the Biggie Hill in terms of like, yo, he's the greatest rapper of all time. I used to, until like 10 years ago when I finally kind of relaxed my stance on it, mm-hmm. but I was so firm because in writing lyrics, like the, as impressive as Nas was, as impressive as Jay-Z is, and he's definitely impressive, the one dude that just repeatedly floored me every single time. Like I heard a new Biggie verse. Mm-hmm. It was Biggie. Yeah. And you know, the thing about this song too is that 
what radio stations used to do, I'm not sure if they do it anymore, but they used to do this all the time, and, and WPGC definitely used to do this, was, you know, they would take dope instrumentals, and this was at a time when it wasn't just like whatever hot, you know, instrumental. Like, they took the underground, like, hip-hop instrumental. They put that shit on the loop. And while the DJ was saying whatever he had to say, and they were, you know, breaking either between commercials or between songs, they'd have certain beats on loop. Yeah, they call them beds. Beds, yes. And Unbelievable <laughs> was a bed that I had heard for a long time. Yeah. For a long time. But I had never heard this album until 1999. So oh, imagine... Wow. And that was a bed that I always, always liked. So yeah. imagine how excited I was when I finally heard this. Not mm. only do I have this dope flow, but I had this dope beat that I've been dying to hear. Yeah. Mm. I can yeah. wax poetic so much about this. Oh, for sure. The last highlight I need to say, and it's a little unexpected, is Puff. Puff Daddy is a huge mm. highlight Fair. for me. Fair, yeah. And the reason why is because you can definitely tell the Puff influences on this album, particularly in the later stages. I mean, mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, we have a, a One More Chance remix, two of them, that's entirely right. down to Puff. Right. Juicy, that's entirely down yeah. to Puff. Yeah. Big Papa, that's entirely down to Puff. And Respect is entirely down to Puff. The idea that he's got the Jordan McRae sample which mm. they kind of spun into like this dance hall kind of vibe. Yeah. You got Diana King, fresh off of a shy yeah. guy, which you just talked about. Yeah. That is entirely down to Puff. And it works. And yes. it's amazing. I've given him some flack over the years. Mm -hmm. But there's been a lot of, you know, managers, if you will, who've had great talents and didn't know what to do with them. And for as much as I don't like how Puff Daddy is kind of handled, Biggie's legacy, and I don't need to talk about my, my reasons as to why I don't like that. It's not important. But in terms of this album and Life After Death, you know, I understand he kind of got in Biggie's way a little bit. Man, nah, But for as much as he did that, too. he still did really, really good things with these two albums. I think so, too. And just crafting the entire narrative, right? Like Suicidal Thoughts, he's obviously mm -hmm. the guy on the other side of the phone. Yeah. Does a great job there. Same with Warning, you know? Uh, yeah, he we was. Haven't, we haven't even talked about warning. Yet. Yeah, right, let's talk about it. Why not? Oh, <laughs> man, like, I think of all the songs that Biggie has ever done, I think that the warning is probably his most iconic. More so than Juicy. Okay. More so than I Got a Story to Tell. You got to explain this. In the sense that. For heads, you mean? For no, just for music. Period okay. for music. I think the warning is the one song that just about everybody knows. Like the fact that you had like a YouTube video of some white family mm. kind of doing like a parody off of this mm. song. Mm. And like everybody, like even even people who don't even like like Biggie, they fuck with like, damn, why they gotta I'm stick before my, my paper? paper? Damn, why they trying to stick before my paper? Like Ah, and with the story, I don't know. I, there might be other songs that are more iconic, but it's hard for me Dark, to think about It's definitely juicy. It's definitely. You think it's juicy? Yes. It's not even close. I mean, oh, my okay. my All third right. grade math teacher probably knows the word the juicy. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. it's people that have like like have no real like you know you have to have some sort of tangential interest in hip hop yeah. to know warning juicy. Like literally, you can go to a karaoke spot in Chinatown right now. And see people doing Juicy and it'll be anybody. So let me just say then for hip hop then. Okay. Let me just specify it for that. Because Juicy's probably his most popular song. Mm -hmm. It's probably got the most listens on Spotify. I haven't checked, but <laughs> I get that. 
But at the same time, too, Juicy kind of portrays Biggie as kind of like not the larger than life figure that he mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And the warning, I think, encapsulates everything about Biggie. Yeah. First of all, you got the gangster aspect, the hardcore aspect. You've got the larger than life playboy aspect because he's chilling in his mansion. You've got the storytelling aspect. You yeah. even got Puff in there. You've got the story after the song aspect. Like, it just encapsulates everything about Biggie. Juicy has 315 million hits on Spotify. Uh-huh. The next is Hypnotize. Oh, and then really? everything else drops off like by a hundred million. <sighs> Whatever. That's Spotify. <laughs> That's Spotify. Anyway. Drake, you know, Jake probably has hits that have like twenty-five million. Uh, oh, or, oh, oh, billion. Or Twenty-five billion. That's what I meant. Twenty-five <laughs> yeah. billion listens. You probably so, right. Whatever. Warning is amazing, and it's so interesting, right? Like, I'm a huge Big L fan, mm-hmm. and Big L has a few of these kind of records where he, you know, kind of narrates and tells, you know, a story. The Heist is one of them. The Enemy Mm -hmm. is one of them. But I feel like in all of those cases, it's like Big L attempting to give you what you get from Warning or Somebody's Gotta Die. Like Biggie Mm -hmm. just was just a master at these. Yeah, he certainly is. And in my opinion, you know, I I think he's the greatest storyteller. I also, you know, to me, Ghostface is up there. Nas Mm -hmm. is up there. Slick Rick. Big L, Slick Rick. Cool G Rap is another huge one, especially when we talk about like the whole mafioso thing, mm-hmm. Kooji rap, just the vividness and how he's like actually putting his lyrics together is damn near unparalleled. But the one thing that Biggie does is uh, several things. One, the way he kind of like just kind of opens it up and lets the song breathe. Mm-hmm. Like he says little lines that are very simple, yet they, they pack a lot of punch. Like even when we were talking about uh, Me and My Bitch, yeah. that whole sequence is like, yeah. it's only like four bars. And yet, in your mind, he's created this picture that, like, you can see oh, very, right. very vividly. He's the best at this. Like, it's yes. not close. I think, honestly, and and that somebody else we haven't mentioned yet, and definitely need to mention. I think Nas, especially at a certain point in time, did a very good job of of canvassing these stories and kind of giving mm-hmm. you the lay of the land. But nobody did it better than Biggie. And Biggie's attention to detail. Mm -hmm. was just so impeccable that you were there. You felt like you were there. His stories are so good that I'm actually surprised that no one has tried to make them into like short films. Isn't that like the theme to Irv Gotti's show? What, what do you mean? Irv Gotti has a show, I've never watched it. Um, I think it's on VH1 or something. It's called like Story to Tell or something. And literally it's like, it's just reenactments of hip hop songs. And I think Biggie's song was first. Like I think they did, they may have done Warning or they may have done Story to Tell, okay. but uh, they did a Biggie song in one of the first episodes. But apparently it's like an every week thing. They, they, they like pick a different song and they, and they do like a reenactment. The main one for me would be Niggas Bleed on Life yeah. After Death. That's yeah. the one where like I'm really surprised that no one's made like yeah. you can make a relatively interesting, compelling 80 minute movie out of that story. Yeah, anyway. that's my favorite Biggie story as well. Um, yeah. So really excited to cover this album do you have anything else to discuss about it i think it's dope that this album kind of rode into the following year well into the following year. yeah well into the following year so you get big papa remix you got can't you see with with total yeah you got i mean he just was killing everything Hit after my. after this album yeah the, all yeah. the junior mafia stuff yes yeah i don't have anything else to add do you no i don't i think that should wrap it up for our our 25 year tribute to one of my favorite ever albums, Ready to Die, the debut from Notorious B.I.G. May he rest in peace. 
and yeah uh he was 21 or 20 when he recorded this album 20 and 21 wow yeah that sounds right man i mean like that's the lyrical prowess at that age is insane yeah and yo we got a lord finesse beat on here i feel like lord finesse is somebody who does not get their flowers yo um for Lord Finesse to be somebody who was one of the most gifted MCs at this time frame and then also be producing on this album and, and many other great albums in this time frame is is, is amazing. Shout out to uh, Lord Finesse, Easy Moby, The Hip Factory, and uh, yeah, all the folks who worked on this album. We talk about best producers on the mic. I think Lord Finesse is a name that needs to be named more often. And when we do have that episode, yes, remind me to bring that up. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, I think that should uh, that should wrap it up. Yeah. from Bedford Stuyvesant, the loudest one, representing BK to the fullest. Cats are bullet, bastards ducking when Big B bucking. Chicken heads be clucking in my back room, fucking. It ain't nothing. They know Big B handling with the Mac. The actor paneling, bandaging MCs, oxygen they can't breathe. Mad tricks up the sleeve, wear boxes so my dick can breathe. Breeze through with the Q45 by my side, lyrical high. And those that rushes, my clutches get put on crutches, get smoked like touches from the master. Hate to blast ya, but I have to. You see, I smoke a lot. Your life is played out like Farmé and them fucking polka dots. Who rock the spot, Biggie? You know how the weed go, unbelievable. Casualties need treating, dumb rappers need teaching, lesson eight.